The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work as an executive advisor, speaker, coach, and also am the author of a nine-book award-winning book series focusing on helping leaders innovate how they lead. I also am on faculty at universities in the U.S. and Germany. Today we are honored to have uh, Dr. Dale Myros as our guest, and his focus is going to be, or the focus of the show today will be cybersecurity. So Dr. Dale Myros is a retired Air Force Major General and the first president-appointed U.S. Senate-confirmed Chief Information Officer of the U.S. Intelligence Community. With over four decades of military, government, industry, and academic experience, this internationally recognized technology thought leader offers practical advice for CIOs, leaders, and the organizations they run in navigating the 21st century digital world. Dr. Myros is an internationally respected subject matter expert on leadership, strategic planning, cybersecurity, e-health and information technologies, and intelligence and military matters. The goal of this show is to help leaders, as I said, innovate how we lead. So often with the rate of technology change and with leaders having way more to do than they can ever accomplish in a day, we as leaders tend to focus on delivering the work and have neglected in many cases our own development. And the result can be that our leadership skills depreciate and over time we are less valuable than we were earlier. And so the focus of the show is really to help us as leaders stay as current and fo- as possible and give an awareness of some key issues that we're facing in our community. And specifically tonight we'll be talking about cybersecurity. So Dale being a subject matter in the ex- subject matter expert in the area will give us an overview of what is cybersecurity in the first segment. In the second segment, he's going to answer kind of rapid fire a series of questions provided by a CEO forum, so executive level questions. And then the third section will talk about what should leaders and of organizations and boards be thinking about with regards to cybersecurity. So the outcome we hope you walk away with is helping leaders better understand the nature of threats we currently face and how to take proactive steps to optimize organization success by taking advantage of the cloud and at the same time protecting critical information infrastructure to support efficient and effective operations. So Dale, why don't you give us a couple of minutes about yourself and then we'll talk about the rundown of the cybersecurity landscape. Sure, Maureen. Thank you very much for having me uh, tonight. Uh, My career started a long time ago in the mid-70s. And uh, when I started in the, in the communications electronic business or the pre-cyber days, uh, you know, we had teletypes and switch phone systems, and probably many of your listeners probably need to go to a museum to even see what those are. But uh, it was a culture in the military uh, where performance and security contributed equally to the effectiveness of missions. And so I just calculated the other day that I've had a national security clearance for 45 years. Uh, so the idea of cyber and cybersecurity is uh, is pretty much uh, uh, second nature to me. And so I've leveraged uh, 
uh, about 40 years experience, 20 of which have been in senior management ranks, uh, running organizations with global responsibilities. And, and I, and I bridged that over to uh, creating my own consulting company on the premise that I've been there, done that, made many mistakes with a great deal of success and can help you do the same better, faster, and cheaper. So it's, uh, it's been, been one of those things. You start out as one thing. Uh, 40 years ago, and lo and behold, somebody moves to technology cheese, and you find yourself someplace else. That's what we talk about innovating leadership, right? You're the example. Exactly. The number of careers, you know, I think I've been in the same business the whole time, but but the number of twists and turns and and, and new demands brought on by by technology and, and global situations have, you know, just continually changed. And so I've come to believe that in leadership, maybe the most important quality is, are you eminently trainable? That's a good question. So let's move into cybersecurity, and then in segment three, I want to hear about your philosophy on leadership. We've talked about that some, and share with our listeners a whole lot more about what does good leadership look like and how does it manifest itself with regard to cybersecurity. So let's sure. start with the question, how much of this is hype and how much of it's real? We've seen WikiLeaks and some of this other stuff. Give us some of your perspective. Well, the hype is real and the threat is real. And uh, uh, it's, it's interesting how they, how they tend to feed, feed uh, on, on each other over time, uh, how, how our perceptions are, are done by the media and, and then sometimes our own experiences. Uh, cybersecurity threat is real because and growing because of our increased reliance on cyber to accomplish human desires, whether it has to do with business, pleasure, uh, or necessities. What is the threat for, for somebody who has limited experience in, in this space? So I run a small company. What's the threat to me, and what, what do I need to be – why do I care? Well, or you, you care because uh, if you do something of value, if you have something of value, then you have something worth stealing, or you have something something worth taking. And so, uh, oftentimes we we have in our mind when we talk about cybersecurity that it's a technology threat. In fact, it's a human threat. In in fact, in nine out of ten major compromises in the United States. Uh, the insider behavior contributed to the breach, to the loss of data, all of those other kinds of things. And it's usually, usually done by some low-tech means like phishing or somebody steals a thumb drive. Uh, or, in fact, eight of the ten largest uh, healthcare breaches in the United States over the past few years have been because somebody's stolen a laptop or a computer. So someone either leaves their laptop in a restaurant as they sit down to lunch and it gets lifted off the back of the chair, or I leave it in my trunk and go hang out with my friends after work and it gets stolen, that kind of thing? Yeah, that, that kind of thing. Uh, a couple of them have, have, have been office break-ins. So, so you know, you, 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 most medium to even small-sized companies need to get the sense of the relationship of physical security with, with cybersecurity. Uh, and, and then in turn, human, human security. How do you train your people? You know, what are they allowed to do? What are they not allowed to do? Are there consequences? You know, if you think about it, if you, if you lose company property through cyber, it's no different than somebody taking your company property, putting it out on the street for somebody to take, right? So would you right. punish those differently? So when I started my career, one of the biggest concerns, I worked in D.C., we had a flasher who used to come into our building and flash people. That was Mm -hmm. a big security issue. I'm sure there were others, but that was the most visible one. Now you're saying people come in, grab stuff off a desk, and off they go, laptops, phones. That, that's, that, that's, those are very, very real scenarios. A lot of times, you know, when people talk about insider uh, behavior when it comes to cybersecurity, they always talk about uh, the insider threat, and that conjures up the idea that of the disgruntled employee, or somebody wants to get even with somebody, or retribution, or something like that. 
More often than not, though, it's it's a matter of either careless behavior or somebody is trying to do a workaround on a policy to make their job easier. And uh, as, as, as a consequence, uh, the thing to remember about cybersecurity criminals is, is that they will take the easiest way in. And so whatever is the easiest way uh, to gain uh, authorized access to, to whatever you're doing, uh, to your information, that's what they're going to do. They're not going to pick the hard way. Okay. So they get into my system. Mm-hmm. One of the conversations I had actually today was, are they? Tr- we've got sources, and I, I'm asking you to comment on this. They sure. can steal my credit cards, but they can yep. also steal much more valuable information, and they can use my equipment to blow stuff up, you know, literally, like my control. Well, they, 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 they can. That's not, that's not most of what they're after. Most of what they're after has monetary value. And, and you're right. Your point about data having value, some, you know, for instance, healthcare data is 10 times more valuable on the black market than is credit card data. Why? Well, because you can do more with it. You know, so much of the security is based upon knowing things about you, and and healthcare data is rife with things about you, things okay. like you know your mother's maiden name, mm. uh, you know the name of your kids, uh, the name you know. Uh, additionally, uh, there there is there is an element of blackmail in stealing somebody's uh, healthcare data because because some people you know. Guard with private, you know, guard and, and consider privacy, you know, so, so important. And maybe they've got something, you know, in, in their health care records that they're ashamed of. Okay, that, that makes sense. So let's jump to the question, what advances do you perceive in the cyber threat area and counteractions that can be taken over the next five years? Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's really a good question. And if I answer this really, really well, then I'll really, really be smart because <laughs> it is a very hard thing to predict. Uh, how, however, I think some things will remain the same over the next five years. For instance, 20 years ago, I helped the United States Air Force thwart off a ma- the, one of the early uh, major denial service attacks against uh, government networks. That was 20 years ago. So, so you would think that, that denial service attacks is old kind of technology, old think, and all that kind of good stuff. In fact, denial service attacks take place in, in about uh, 80 to 85% of all attacks that happen today. So some things will persist. I think things like, like phishing, like the social networking that we talked about, uh, the element of websites will continue to be, to, to be the most, uh, uh, most vulnerable. Uh, social engineering kinds of things. And over the next five years, we're going to add some definition to this thing called the Internet of Things. And and everybody gets all wrapped, oh, what's the definition? And what does that mean? And what, well, basically, it could mean that your refrigerator might be the most vulnerable thing to get into in your house. So, so I tend to think of the Internet of Things as it plays out over the next five years as the linking of gadgets. And if you think about it, not all gadgets were built to be linked. And so when you do, there ends up being seams that become exploitable uh, by evildoers looking to take advantage and in most, in most instances steal something of value. So what is in my refrigerator that's going to be valuable? And your, refrigerator, your refrigerator Fail. is not valuable as a refrigerator. Your refrigerator is valuable as a data entry point into another system. For instance, most of the companies that I, that I consult for, and and they call me after they've been breached, when we do the forensics analysis on it, in most instances we find that 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 they started in the in the least valuable part of of their enterprise, like say email or something like that. And once they were were you know figured out how to become an authorized, recognized user. You know, they then migrated to the more valuable things behind the firewall. See, again, our, our mental perception is, is that cybersecurity is protecting uh, the, the barrier, keeping the bad guys out, when in fact cybersecurity, the bad guys are already inside the barrier, 
And so you have to have a mentality that says I'm fighting them from behind the firewall, not from outside the firewall. So I don't have my refrigerator or my thermostat password protected. So someone gets behind that, gets on my network, That's and right. now they're in. And, and now, now they're in. See, they're not after the, what's in the refrigerator. They're after the access that the refrigerator provides into something else. Okay, and no, that's think, everything think, from my blinds going up and down to... Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so let, let's, let's do a practical one that I think mo- many in your audience are familiar with. You know, it, it's, it's the idea of, of many people remember the, the... They call it the target breach. Actually, it was the breach mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of uh, retail stores back in 2013, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and so, so the breach was started by insider complicit behavior in an air conditioning subcontractor area. Really? And so they so they that's where they gained their access. They weren't after air conditioners. They weren't after thermostats. They weren't after any of that stuff. They were after the point of sale. And so they used that as a backdoor authorized access to get to the point of sale elements, which is where where they wanted to exploit what they wanted to take. So somebody accesses through the air conditioner. And that's how my credit card got stolen from Target. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, your credit card didn't get stolen. Data. My credit card out- number got stolen. Yeah, your credit card number got stolen, uh, along with some data about you, which then provided you know some, somebody uh, what what they saw as value to 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 do things with with you know that identity. All of my prescription data. Specifically, exactly. that's what I shop yeah. at Target for. Yep, yep, it, it, you know, and, uh, and, and again, everybody thinks they're after me. No, they're after what you, what you have access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because by and large, unless they're, trying to, unless they're trying to harass you, as in shut you down or make it so that you can't operate on the Internet, like, like, uh, like by the way, that's going on right now with 160 banks, uh, uh, Anonymous is attacking about 160 banks across the world for the month of May. Uh, again, trying to make political statements. They're not trying to take any money. They're just trying to make it inconvenient for those banks' customers to uh, to do business, to do transactions, interrupt, and all those kinds of things. Fascinating. Okay, so we're going to go to break right now. This is Maureen Metcalf and Dale Myros talking about cybersecurity. We'll be back momentarily. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. 
Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You're joining Maureen Metcalf and Dale Myers talking about cybersecurity. So in preparation for this interview, we got a series of questions from a CEO group, and I'm going to fire through those pretty quickly, and Dale's going to answer them. And uh, then we'll move on to some questions about cybersecurity leadership. So if you owned a company, would you put your ERP on the cloud as a software as a service? Specifically, how comfortable would you be with putting all of your company operational data on the cloud? I'd be very comfortable. Uh, the, the element of cloud kind of throws people off. Everybody automatically thinks that you're talking about lease. Cloud's nothing but a virtualization of resources. And in a cloud configuration, you can ar- architect the enterprise more completely than you can in a network. So you can take care of security stuff. You can put more protection in on data uh, and all those kinds of things. Plus, it is it is a lot easier to, to work cloud. It's not actually a cloud. You know, most companies have dozens of clouds, uh, but everybody calls it the cloud, just like we call it the network. But I, I'd mm. be very comfortable because because uh, virtualization and di- digitization also equals resilience, and a properly engineered, architected cloud structure does that. Okay, so let's move to the next one, and, and I think you'll build on that. How many U.S. corporations are running their businesses on the Amazon cloud? And does, if there's a catastrophic failure, what's the impact on the American GDP? Okay, that's, that's an in- interesting question. First of all, I, I think it shows uh, maybe a lack of understanding about how clouds are architected or whatever. I think it's virtually impossible uh, for the Amazon cloud to have a catastrophic failure because the Amazon cloud is literally spread over the entire globe. Uh, I tried to do a little research to find, find out... Uh, you know, how, uh, how big or how many and, you know, how global and all that kind of good stuff for an Amazon cloud. And, and about all you're going to find is uh, satisfied customers and billions of dollars of revenue. Uh, but in some ways, it's like it's impossible outside of an EMP burst to take down the power grid of the United States cyberly with cyber stuff. And the reason is is because it's not all interconnected. You can take down major parts of it. Uh, but the way clouds are put, you know, cloud is a virtualization of digitized information which is spread out over, over a wide area, and depending upon how much you pay is how, how diverse and, and spread it out it is, how robust it is, and such. The thing about catastrophic failure is do you have single points of failure, as in does everything come in on a single wire? Do you have diverse routing? Do you have, you know, backup sources of power, all those other kinds of things? And... Uh, uh, I've, I've been, I've been uh, hosted by Amazon at several other locations, and I can guarantee you that there's no single point of failure. And so that's, that's what the United States government intelligence uh, community always worries about is that, is that disruptive technology, which all of a sudden creates that single point of failure. Uh, but uh, the chances of having single points of failure in your on-premise network are much higher uh, than in a cloud architecture. So I am better off. So my biggest risk then, as a medium-sized company, is how how am I connected to the cloud? Exactly, not, not and, the cloud and if, itself. Yep, ex- exactly. And if you have a, if you have a single path of connection, then then that's a vulnerability. And that connection, you know, and uh, we we used to talk in the military that uh, that the. Uh, most dangerous thing to national security was a uh, farmer with a backhoe. Who happened to dig into a cable? <laughs> well, and it's why data centers and, and, now have multiple providers, even right of security. Yeah, yeah. And, and and oh, by the way, you can have multiple providers, but if they all run on the same cable, that cable still represents a, you know a, a, a single point of failure. And and when you talk about digitization, modern digitization, virtualization, a cloud can can have all kinds of forms and shapes, and people can run their own clouds. Oh, by the way, you don't have to contract out to run a cloud. You can run your own cloud. Uh, and 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 the element of the cyber piece uh, more likely ends up with with uh, less chances of having single points of failure than on than an on-premise network. Okay, so so what I hear is from a, a secure.
security of operations, continuity. I am way better with Amazon than my own little couple of servers in the back room. You are way better in a cloud structure uh, than you are with a couple, couple of, uh, of, of servers uh, in, in the back room. And that has... So then the question is really security, not operations. And you're saying from a security perspective, I am also better off. Well, provided you engineered it properly. See, again, what what a lot of folks uh, have a problem with, uh, technical folks have a problem with, is is they'll do a one-for-one correlation that says, I have it set up here in my network. I'm going to set it up exactly like that in the cloud. Well, no, you re-engineer it in the cloud to to be cloud-based. And so, so oftentimes, uh, you know, co- companies because they, they insist on on uh, on on engineering it just like they had before in a cloud environment, they don't change the security structure. But you have the opportunity to change the security structure in a cloud environment. And that's stuff like virtualization. And then if it fails on one site, it immediately or very quickly pops up in a different location. That kind of stuff. Sure. Well, or, or it was already in a different location. Okay. And, and, and again, you know, it's, it's elements of what kind of performance do you pay for. For instance, you know, I, I, I consult with a video gaming company. Mm-hmm. And, and, and their standard of response for a video gamer in most of, of, of the United States and in various parts of the world is five nanoseconds. And so uh, a lot of, of their data, a lot of their applications and things like that have to be staged out in, you know, have to be staged out over a wide area because performance is so critical to them. Okay. And, and, and so, you know, literally there, there are billions of points of presence. And so if you lose a few, you, you, you don't even know it except for maybe one, one gamer, you know, you know, did, did a did a did a, a kill on on his game, and it, and it didn't happen fast enough. Okay, and it's funny thinking as a business person, I really don't care about that, but that is their business. That is their business because a millennial playing a video game, if the game's not responsive, if it's not, they're they're going to you know their dwell time on a game that is either slow or doesn't work is measured almost in nanoseconds. <laughs> okay, so then back to the cybersecurity issue. So, mm-hmm. so you suggested that I am more secure in the cloud. You potentially, a, you potentially are more secure provided you architect it properly. So can you give me a, little, a couple of examples of what I might need to think about when you say architecting it properly? Sure, sure, and and again, these you know, let me let me correlate it to to maybe the two biggest security vulnerabilities that small business owners you know might have in, in all this. Okay, so so think think about every uh, every touch point in your network to include your handheld, your desktop, all those other kinds of things, you know, are are all uh, potential attack service er- service areas. Okay. okay, and then the, and 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 so so your endpoint, your website, your your human, you know your GUI, if you will, you know the graphic human unit interface, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are all more vulnerable than the than the element of once information gets digitized, bulk secure transmitted to to another secure area place and and handled. You know, with with a whole series of, of protocols that all have built-in security, you know, layers of security. So, so again, if you're if you're a small uh, small to mid mid mid-sized business, your web-enabled apps that, uh-huh. that you that you put on your sites to allow your employees to to uh, you know do their business on the road or wherever they happen to business uh, happen to do business. So time uh, and the and the endpoints. Of those of those data entry uh, appliances are your two biggest vulnerabilities. So I have now my timesheet application in the cloud. How do I protect that? <clears throat> well, uh, if you're running the cloud, you set up the security policies. If you're leasing the cloud, you set up the security policies and then have a have an element of payment to it. Um, 
And, and, uh, and, and again, if you architect your cloud properly, uh, the, the, the protection of the data sets will be integral to the data sets themselves. What because you, you use the example of timesheets. Uh-huh. Okay, so who do you want, you know, do you want everybody in the entire company to have access to your timesheets? No. You want the person who, who uh, inserts the timesheet, you want the person who authorizes the timesheet, and then you want the person that works the finances that makes sure everybody gets paid. You know, your coworkers and your bosses and, you know, all those other kinds of folks don't need, don't need access to that. So, so data rights management okay. uh, with, you know, coupled with ID management in a, in a cloud structure are, you know, about as secure as you're going to get. Okay, so this is back to when we did ERP implementation. We were real clear on who had access to which data. Exactly. Okay. Uh, ID management and data rights ac- uh, access is the key to everything. Okay. So I'm just trying to think through what users know about this. Can you give us a, a, just a snippet of what, what does it mean, ID rights management and data management? Because I'm not sure everyone listening <clears throat> will know what those things are. Okay. So, so when, when, uh, uh, when, when you have a, have a, uh, uh, you know, something as simple as a cell phone or, or your workspace or, or whatever. Uh, you know, you, you, ha- you have to uh, uh, let the system know who you are. Uh, and then if you've got, a, if you've, if you've got a, a good ID management process, uh, it's, you not only tell them, but you have a password. And maybe two-factor authentication that says... Not only do you have a password, but you have a, an eyeball scan or a thumbprint or, you know, some, some, some other form of identification. So that's an, I, I, you know, so, so what you require anybody to gain authorized access uh, to your enterprise is, is ID management. Data rights management has to do with, again, take the example of, of, your, of your pay sheets you only want certain people within the company to ha- have access to any or all pay sheets. And so, so you, you, pr- you provide, uh, again, ID uh, processes, which you know, says, is that you? Yes, it's me. I'm going to authenticate it you. Yep, you're authenticated you. Now I'm going to give you access kind of thing. So that's, that's the, the integration of, of that element. And, and, and we talk about ID, man, you know, ID management. Actually, it's, you know, if people think of it as persona, because you'll have many IDs. You know, many of us have more than more than one uh, email mm-hmm. account, don't we? Yeah. Now, see, each one of those are governed by a persona that we have registered that the system challenges us that says, okay, I think that you prove it's you. And so that's what ID management, data rights management is about. Okay, so let's move from there to one more question. What are the two biggest security vulnerabilities small business owners probably aren't thinking about that could be mitigated without breaking the bank or requiring overhaul of systems and processes? Okay, the, the, the two things that I think has the highest payoff is, is first of all, your, your human management. Okay, so what kind of training do you do uh, and what kind of processes do you, do you require your people? Okay, in the little instance before we were talking about ID management, you know, the business about, you know, this is me, I'm going to challenge, can you prove it you, and think, all those things take, take time. And, and so when, when, when you're a user and, and you're with a client and you need quick access to your data, it's, uh, you know, going through security protocols is somewhat of a pain. And so mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, many times, you know, your, your, your workers will, will do workarounds. So the most important thing you can do is monitor your people's activity uh, with, within, within your enterprise. The second most important thing you can do is have good internal control system. And, and a lot of people don't realize, but most of your networks already have automated counts about, you know, uh, how many accesses, where data was moved to, where it was not moved to. And, and so... Uh, uh, the second most important thing small businesses or medium-sized businesses can do is, is what, what, 
What does your monitoring of your activity? And do you know what normal activity looks like? And, oh, by the way, if there's something abnormal that goes on, how is it flagged so that you can then investigate it or figure out if, if uh, something bad's going on? And, uh, and, and, in fact, those two things, most medium and small companies have within their own capability to do is just that they don't know how to do it in the right kind of way. So this isn't going to break the bank. It's that I need someone to guide me through the process. You, 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 you need the good expertise that, that helps develop. You know, okay, see, here's the thing to remember about security. Security is what you do. It is not what you have. And if you can inculcate that in, into, into your workforce, uh, you will reduce your, your uh, uh, available attack service to evildoers probably by about 90%. So to equate that to a physical security perspective, it doesn't help if I have an alarm system and never set it. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to ask one more question, very quick answer. What should healthcare leaders be thinking about and where should they focus their attention with regard to security? Because you said wearables, valuable target or one of the more yep. valuable targets. Absolutely. The very short answer is wearables. Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of times in healthcare we get wrapped up in the business of privacy of records and all that other kind of good stuff, and that, that is important. Uh, but when you're coming to wearables, uh, you can cause somebody to die uh, by, by, by messing with somebody's wearables, particularly if the wearable is something that, you know, keeps your heartbeat going or helps you breathe or injects insulin into you or something like that. What a lot of people don't realize and why healthcare is, is such a big target is, is within a couple years, 20% of all data in the world, 20% of all data in the world will be healthcare related. And it's not just my electronic medical record. Now it's my pacemaker, no. my insulin yeah, injection. It, it, exactly. It, exactly. Wow. The, uh, uh, and, and, and in fact, you know, what you think of, of your medical record is not really your medical record because most of us think of that little folder that the doctor's got, you know, when we're in the doctor's office. In fact, your medical record includes every x-ray. Mm-hmm. It includes every MRI. And if you think about it, the, 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 the size of, 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 the, uh, of the folders or the size of the documents or the images and things like that for an x-ray or an MRI have to be so fine and so, and so granular so that you can see breaks or, you know, you can see conditions. And, and that, 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 uh, that, that is where most of the healthcare data is going to be. It's not in the little flimsy folder that, you know, has got the doctor writing that you can't read. You know, it, it, this is actually things that matter uh, with, with regard to keeping people, keeping people healthy. So wearables is, is, is what's going to come up. To date, mobiles have not been that big a factor in cybersecurity. The reason is, is because other, th- other things are much easier to get into. We make those harder to get into, and we put more valuable things on mobiles, wearables in the, medic- in the healthcare business, and those become bigger targets. Perfect. Thank you. Let's take a break here, and we'll be right back with Dr. Dale Myros talking about cybersecurity. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. 
For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Dr. Dale Myros talking about cybersecurity. So now we're going to move into the question of what should leaders at all levels, so boards, CEOs, and executives, be thinking about with regard to cybersecurity? So the first question is, with the rate of changing technology and the accelerating rate of approaches of, quote, bad guys damaging the organization, how do you recommend organizational leaders and technology leaders stay on top of the threats to keep the organization safe? And that's that's a that's a question that could take take a, a long time and uh, to discuss. But but very briefly, the most important critical element in all of cyber cybersecurity and almost anything else in business is talent. And so so when when you're when you're senior leadership in a in a company, the first first responsibility you have is to make sure that you have talent at all the right intersections. And it's not only talent to run the plumbing, so to speak. It's the it's the talent to supervise the running of the plumbing. It's the talent to determine the performance of it. And again, I'm using plumbing euphemistically as mm-hmm. a, yeah. a technology uh, thought per se. But when you're a board, you got three basic responsibilities: corporate conscience, shareholder advocacy, and your guardian of the prosperity of the organization. Uh, and and if you don't have the right talent. At every at every level, to include board, C-suite, uh, your your cybersecurity team, uh, and 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 in fact your 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 touch maintenance and all those other kinds of things, uh, then then you you will uh, uh, not not uh, excel as as a company or an organization. So this is where you talked about the guys at Target getting in through the HVAC system. Exactly. Well, actually, the HVAC contractor. So it's and, not necessarily and, the board guy that's the problem. It's the yeah. maintenance guy. Well, in in this particular case, it was. But the, you know, guess guess what? The tar- one of the reasons why why Target became became such a national story is is that it was one of the first very public instances where the CEO and the CIO. And then, and all dependent upon how you read the news releases, got fired, asked to leave, or left uh, left under a cloud. And because and of so that so say again. Because of that breach. Because of that breach. Okay. And oh, by the way, you know another one that, that another another uh, widely publicized event was was the Sony one. Guess what? The CEO of Sony Entertainment Pictures resigned. So at the I'm request a, of the board. So if I'm a CEO, CIO, or somebody at that level, I should care about this stuff. You should care about this stuff because, because uh, not only society, but corporations and Wall Street are holding people accountable uh, for being able to understand what goes on under, underneath them. So that's why having talent who, who, can, who can manage, supervise, uh, uh, technical kinds of, of operation. That doesn't mean that they have to know how to write software programs, but they do know, have to know how to write, ask the right questions. They do have to know how to put things in terms of, of perspective of risk, uh, potential gain, and, and, and such. They have to know the difference between the art of the possible and the fear of the inevitable. 
So this means in the... I'm just thinking of Enron and some of those things and the um, Sarbanes-Oxley that we're now holding CEOs accountable for some of the financial shenanigans. We're also holding them accountable for the, quote, bad guys getting in. So, so the standard for a CEO and for board sounds like it's changing. Yeah, the, what, what we're talking about is, is accountability. And, okay. and because accountability for cybersecurity and things like that affects brand, affects stock prices, affects, affects company value. You know, it, if you think, think back to the Target, Target lost about 10, 10% of its, of its fourth quarter revenue sales uh, in, in 2013. And if you're in the retail business, that's your highest volume time of the year. And so the company didn't perform well. Who's responsible for company performance? It's the C-suite and the board of directors are responsible for company, uh, company performance. And because of our reliance on cyber and its importance in, in brand, in, in our brand, how it's recognized, how it's regarded, uh, the quality of our service, uh, the, the trust in, in, our, in our clientele and customers and all those kinds of things, that's part of performance. So say now I'm the CEO of Target, or I, I, I would prefer would you say Company A because <laughs> I was going to say or something whatever again look, look, looking at that particular company. Yeah, they, they and, you know they they fixed all those kinds of things. And oh by the way, they were they were PCI compliant, which meant that they met the standards through an audit two months before all that stuff happened. I, and honestly, I still shop there. That's where my prescriptions still live, so I'm not back okay. in Target. It just, it's easier for me to think of a name of a company rather than random. So think of sure. Company A. Mm-hmm. If I am running that organization, so I'm an executive somewhere positioned in that C-suite or a leadership suite, in the past, cybersecurity was one of those things that somebody in IT managed, and I didn't have to yep. deal with it. Yep. Given what's transpiring now, how do I position cybersecurity going forward to make sure my enterprise is safe? Well, what you do is you make sure that you have the right talent hired. You know, you, you, you get the right executive talent who knows how to tell the cybersecurity story at the, in the C-suite. That, you know, and, and in some regards, that means, you know, depending upon how your company's set up, you put the, actually put them in the C-suite. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you invest in your talent. And then just like other performance factors in your company, you, you devise those performance factors that tell you whether or not you're succeeding or failing. And you do the same thing for cybersecurity. So I, I think about in the past of doing some consulting at that level, many, lots of people want to report to the CEO. Mm-hmm. Is cybersecurity important enough now that it's a direct report to the CEO, or is that still a CIO function? Or uh, again, it dep- it, it's highly dependent upon uh, how your company is set up, how big and broad it is, uh, and 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 what what, it, what its what its culture is. I am not one for having every uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry cat and dog report to the CEO. Yes, yeah, same. Uh, if if there's a wide span of control. I would normally invest that in a COO-type position, a CIO-type position, or a chief risk officer, or a chief ah, management okay. officer, or some, something like that, if, if, you know, again, given the size or, or, or shape of the company. The key is not necessarily where they sit in the org chart. The key is how do they contribute to the spreadsheet. To the spreadsheet. I'm, I'm just thinking of, if from a risk perspective, Often I have people report to the board, even though they mm-hmm. sit within the organization. So I would have my CFO have direct board reporting, because if mm-hmm. there are shenanigans by my CEO, the yep. CFO should be able to go to the board. Is this another role where we want to have also board access, or do we want someone on the board who has a cyber uh, background? That, that, that's a good question. Again, highly dependent upon your on your company. But uh, as a general rule of thumb, I would say yes, uh, because it is, it is one of those major risk exposures okay. you know, that, that needs to constantly be, be evaluated, 
because the speed of cybersecurity, you know, happen, happens in a flash. So, so the business about what happens to you is in a flash, and it'll take you weeks and sometimes months to recover. So let's break there. I know we can talk for another hour, and we will do another show with you uh, for listeners who are interested in hearing much more, especially about leadership and how do we position. Dale, will you give your contact information for people who have questions? Sure, sure. Uh, you can find me uh, through my website at myrose.com. That's M-E-Y-E-R-R-O-S-E.com. And that's probably the, the easiest way to get an email to me or to, or to place a phone call. Great. And certainly contact me, info at metcalf-associates.com. We would love to hear your questions. Dale is will be a regular guest on the show, so this will not be the only time you'll hear from him. And we'll be looking at cybersecurity from different angles and also leadership in the technology space from several different angles. So this is Innovative Leaders, Driving Thriving Organizations. And my invitation to everyone listening, beyond letting us know what you think and what questions you have, is as leaders, how do you innovate or update your own thinking about leadership, and certainly Dale has given us many areas to think about with regard to what is cybersecurity, how do I think about putting my information on the cloud, what goes out, and specifically what was interesting to me is I can put information on the cloud and yet still be as risky as as before if I'm not thinking about cybersecurity in a new way. So the invitation is how do I think about security with regard to my organizational structure, my leadership structure, and my physical infrastructure, and also my culture. How how am I making sure that the people in my organization are doing the right thing? So thank you for joining us. This is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Enjoy your day. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.